Hi, this is Dee, and you're listening to my podcast, Let Me Clear My Throat. I actually did my last podcast um, talking about OCD, um, doing some self-identification of myself. Um, I talked about how um, I am currently, obviously I've been through some traumatic um, drama and events in my life, um, various reasons. I've talked about it, some of them, in my other podcasts. Uh, if you haven't checked them out yet, please feel free to do so. Um, but I talked about how um, I'm actually seeing a doctor now, to try a, a medical doctor, um, to obviously to try to get my um, myself situated and my mental state of mind, if you will. Um, I am just doing physical therapy and also seeing a psychiatrist. Um, to help with my mental stability and the trauma that I have been through. Um, in doing so, um, I have been diagnosed um, with severe OCD, which I talked about that in my last podcast. Uh, if you haven't checked it out, please do so. OCD is very misunderstood. Um, they think that it, a lot of people think that it's just a matter of cleaning a lot, and it's it's really not. Um, so please feel free to check that out. Um, but I also too, um, severe PTSD, um, and also too, I was borderline bipolar before, but now with all the trauma stuff that has been going on in my life, it has kicked my bipolar in full force. Um, I've got a lot of my information that I'm going to go over with um, off of Mayo Clinic. Um, if you are not familiar with Mayo Clinic, they are uh, very informative. I actually used to use uh, Mayo Clinic a lot when I was in college um, as a resource. So feel free to check them out. Um, there's a lot of different things on there. Um, there's a search engine bar. Obviously, you can t uh, type things in. Um, but obviously, um, it's not a diagnosis. Um, remember to see your doctor. Um, I'm going to say that. It's not a... Um, it shouldn't be your only go-to. <laughs> so if you're having things going on, um, please get professional opinion uh, before you self-diagnose yourself. Um, but anyway, this episode here, um, I'm going to go over, uh, in my, some of my other podcasts, I've actually been just free micing it, but like I said in my last one, um, this one here is going to have information that I have looked up and researched and printed out in front of me, and I'm going to read it to you um, as it says on the paper. Um and I also will veer off and actually free talk as well because this one here, um, you might actually be surprised um, in some of the ones that I talk about how um, how probably you can relate to a lot of it. Um, you might be surprised to discover um, that you're not um, that you're justified. You know that you are justified and that you're not a freak. You're not a freak. Um, and it is very important to maintain your mental um, stability and state of mind as much as it is your your medical and your physical and your spiritual. They all go together um, to make you you. Um, but this one here is, I'm, we're going to talk about bipolar. Um, <clears throat> and I'm going to start off reading it. Um, it says, uh, the overview of it, bipolar disorder, formerly called manic depression. So it's been called manic depression, but now it's called bipolar disorder. It's a mental health condition that causes extreme mood swings that include emotional highs, mania and hypomania, and lows, depression. When you, are, when you become depressed, you may feel sad and hopeless or lose interest or pleasure in most activities. When your mood shifts to mania or hypomania, less extreme than the mania. So hypermania is less um, severe than mania um, mood shifts. You may feel uh, euphoric, full of energy, or unusually irritable. These mood swings can affect your sleep, your energy, your activity, your judgment, your behavior, and the ability to even think clearly. Episodes of mood swings may occur rarely or multiple times a year. So you might only get them on occasion. Or they may come sporadically, you know, off and on. Or they might happen, like, constantly. Depends on what you're going through. While most people will experience some emotional symptoms between your episodes, some may not experience any. 
Although bipolar disorder is a lifelong condition, you can manage your mood swings and other symptoms by following a treatment plan. In most bipolar disorders, the treatment uh, is treatment with medications and psychological counseling, uh, like psychotherapy. So medications and a psychological um, you know, counseling and uh, different types of forms of uh, therapy. Um, so symptoms. There are several types of bipolar and related disorders. They may include mania, hypomania, and depression. Symptoms can cause unpredictable changes in mood and behavior, resulting in significant distress and difficulty in life. Now, there are different types and forms. Bipolar 1 disorder. You've had at least one manic episode that may be, be preceded or followed by hypomaniac maniac, or major depressive, depressive episodes. Excuse me. In some cases, mania may trigger a break from reality, psychosis. So you might, you know, trigger a break, uh, like go from reality and just kind of be in your own world. Um, bipolar 2 disorder. You've had at least one major depressive episode and at least one hypomanic episode, but you've never had a manic episode. I have had times where I have been so overwhelmed and had severe panic attacks, um, severe anxiety attacks, even while driving, um, that have been so overwhelming um, that I have had to learn to calm myself down um, because it, it does get very severe. Um, it's a whole new level, level of, uh, mental, um, <laughs> it really is, um, a psycho, a somatic, I was saying that, yeah, somatic disorder. You've had at least two years or one year in children and teenagers. Um, so you've had at least two years or one year if you're a child or a teenager of many periods of hypomania symptoms and periods of depressive symptoms though less severe than major depression so um again this children teenagers adults there is no uh, age frame of when this can kick in on you and a lot of people depends on different types of trauma um, and uh, different types of way of cope, coping uh, with things in your life and um, just different types of depression and uh, mental stability. Um, other types, these include, for example, bipolar and related disorders induced by certain drugs or alcohol or due to medical conditions such as Cushing's disease, multiple sclerosis, or stroke. Bipolar 2 disorder is not a milder form of bipolar 1 disorder, but a separate diagnosis. So bipolar 2 um, is separate than bipolar 1, obviously. Um, and it's not a milder form of bipolar 1. It's a totally separate um, type of bipolar. Um, so it's not like a different level. Well, I'm level 1, level 2. It's a totally different um, diagnosis. Um, so kind of like, I know it's probably like... <laughs> Not the same thing, but kind of is like cholesterol. There's good cholesterol and there's bad cholesterol. Um, while it still pertains to your cholesterol, they're two totally different things. Um, so you got, you know, different, same kind of area, but different um, diagnosis. I know that's not the same as bipolar, but that's the only example I can think of at the moment. <laughs> um, while the manic episodes of bipolar one disorder can be severe and dangerous. Individuals with bipolar 2 disorder can be depressed for longer periods, which can cause significant impairment. So it might be um, also possible to have two, by both of them, um, because um, depends on what phase you're at. Um, obviously, one can kick in, you know, with the other one. So um, although bipolar disorder can occur at any age, typically it's diagnosed in the teenage years or early 20s. Symptoms can vary from person to person, and symptoms may vary over time. So sometimes it could be more severe, um, but there is no age group, um, you know. And if you don't get um, help or uh, acknowledgement of the 
the situation of this this particular disorder, um, then you're not going to be diagnosed. So, I mean, here I am, 50 years old, almost 51, and and I'm just you know getting to the point where people are saying, hey, <laughs> this is what's going on with you. <laughs> so all this time throughout my life, I'm thinking, <laughs> what is wrong with me? Are there other people like me, or is this just me? You know, but it's nice to know that um, there is um, actually something to um, identify my particular state of mind and being able to embrace that so I know how to um, interact with it and counteract it um, so that way it doesn't get um, the death of me. <laughs> I mean, really, it does get that severe. Mania and hypomania are two distinct types of episodes, but they have the same symptoms. Mania is more severe than hypomania and causes more noticeable problems at work, school, and social activities, as well as relationship difficulties. Mania also may trigger a break from reality, psychosis, and require hospitalization. Um, some people might feel like they're losing their mind, and they cannot, uh, they cannot slow down. They cannot uh, control it. They act on impulse. They have a lot of triggers repeatedly, um, and just one goes after another, and it's a lot to overwhelm you. And some people get in that frame of mind that um, um, they just, they obviously cannot think clearly, and um, it, it becomes a severe thing, and sometimes it becomes so overwhelming and loud in your head that um, you just want it to stop. And you do extreme measures sometimes, um, even self-medication, um, self-mutilation, just different variety of things just to try to make it stop. Um, both a manic and hypomanic episode include three or more of the following symptoms. Abnormally upbeat, jumpy, or wired. Um, increased activity, energy, or agitation. Exaggerated self of well-being and self-confidence. Confidence, excuse me. I'll read that again. Exaggerated sense of well-being and self-confidence. Um, decreased need for sleep. Unusual talkativeness. Okay. <laughs> I'm just going to put this there. Um, I talk a lot. <laughs> so, And it's not unusual, <laughs> but I do talk a lot. Um, racing thoughts. Distractibility, poor decision making. For example, going on buying sprees, taking sexual risks, or making foolish investments, um, self medicating, um, just a variety of decisions that are not normally your own. Um, you know, normal, your normal morals, if you will. Major depressive episode. A major depressive episode includes symptoms that are severe enough to cause noticeable difficulty in day-to-day -day activities as such as work, school, and social activities or relationships. An episode includes five or more of these following symptoms. <clears throat> Depressed mood, such as feeling sad, empty, hopeless, or fearful. In children and teenagers, it may be decreased mood. Their dep dec sorry, depressed mood can appear as irritability. Someone might be irritable, like just on edge on everything. Um, they might be feeling sad, feeling emptiness, hopelessness, fearful, feeling worthless, um, a marked loss of interest, or feeling no pleasure in anything at all. So you just have no desire. Uh, for anything, you know, just have no interest, no feeling, no nothing. You just don't want to do nothing. Um, significant weight loss when not dieting, or maybe weight gain, or decreased or increased in your appetite. So you might find yourself um, finding comfort in food, or not eating anything at all, losing your appetite. In children, it may be failure to gain weight as expected. Um, can be a sign of depression as well, which, you know, it just really depends, obviously, on the age group of the children 
I'm sure because you know some children like your parents um, you know they feed them differently so it really just depends um, either insomnia or sleeping too much sometimes maybe you can't turn your head off and it just keeps you up and maybe you are so tired and drained um, that you just can't keep your eyes open and you're just tired all the time you're just wore out either restlessness or slowed behavior fatigue or loss of energy feelings of worthlessness or excessive or inappropriate guilt decreased abilities to think or concentrate or indecisiveness thinking about planning or attempting suicide these are all very important um, things to notice and maybe there's other factors obviously that can cause these same things but um, it is a part of um, this particular area of mental stability and this in combination with other things can be very very overwhelming and life-threatening to someone uh, if it is not intervened and taken care of uh, appropriately and professionally um, some things may be um, controlled with obviously medications to help put a balance but also talking to somebody um, in a therapy situation but also realizing what your triggers are sometimes also helps I have found um, other features of bipolar disorder signs and symptoms of bipolar 1 and bipolar 2 may include other features such as anxious distress uh, psychosis uh, I'm probably going to pronounce this word wrong. I'm just going to go for it. Melancholy, M-E-L-A-N-C-H-O-L-Y, um, and other things. The timing of symptoms may include diagnostic labels such as mixed or rapid cycling. In addition, bipolar symptoms may occur during pregnancy or change with the seasons. So sometimes, though, ladies um, and gentlemen, it's not because um, it's that time of the month. Um, it's, it's something different, um, really. I mean, I'm sure that doesn't help, but um, it's, it's a whole different, uh, it's a whole different ballgame. <laughs> um, symptoms in children and teens. Symptoms of bipolar disorder can be very difficult to identify in children and teenagers. It's often hard to tell whether there are normal ups and downs, the results of stress and trauma, or signs of mental health problems other than a bipolar disorder. Um, children and teens may have distinct major depressive or manic or hypomanic episodes, but the pattern can vary from that such as an adult with a bipolar disorder. And moods can rapidly shift during episodes. Some children may have periods of time without a mood symptoms between their episodes. Um, the most prominent signs of bipolar disorder in a child or teenager may include severe mood swings that are different from their usual mood swings. So that's a key factor too. And that I think actually can go for anybody, but that's what this paper says. When to see a doctor. Despite the mood extremes, people with bipolar disorder often don't recognize how much their emotional instability disrupts their lives and the lives of their loved ones and don't get treatment they need. Sometimes they don't even understand it. They don't realize that's what's going on and it does affect their loved ones and their own life and they don't realize um, that they even need to get any help. Um, and if you're like some people with bipolar disorder, you may enjoy the feelings of euphoria and cycles of being more productive. Um, so you might be, um, you know, like if you're more productive and you've got this, I guess, emotional um, high, if you will. Um, those, are, those are nice things. It's kind of like, you know, you got a burst of energy, if you will. I mean, some people like that. You get productive, you get things done. However, the euphoria... Euph Euphoria is always always followed by an emotional crash that can lead you to depressed, worn out, and perhaps in financial, legal, or relationship trouble. So sometimes 
um, you know, it just comes crashing down on you. And then you get solely, you're just overwhelmed, you're wore out, you're depressed, you might find uh, that you're in legal trouble, you might have got yourself in trouble, you might have took some financial risk, um, overspent some things, you might be having trouble with your relationship, um, a variety of factors. <clears throat> if you have any symptoms of depression or mania, see your doctor or your mental health professional. Bipolar disorder does not or doesn't get better on its own. Getting treatment from a mental health professional with experience in bipolar disorder can help you get your symptoms under control. So definitely seek professional attention. Get some medication if it's um, necessary, but they can also direct you in the, in the way that you need to go in a professional manner so you don't have to um, turn yourself in self-medicating or doing other illegal or, or, I guess, less of a moral um, if you will, of what you normally would be morally inclined to do. When you get emergency help, obviously suicidal thoughts um, are very, very severe and um, realistic thing. It really is. Um, I have talked about four um, where I have been, I've been very candid about myself and I've put out to the world a lot of what I've been going through, and that's another reason why I've been doing these podcasts. If you haven't checked out my other episodes, please feel free to do so. Um, I have many episodes that I cry in, I break down in, um, because I just put it straight out there. I um, have no reason to um, sugarcoat who I am. I have been embracing it, trying to work through it, trying to also help other people to know that um, it is a real thing, and you... um, have every right to um, feel the way you do and your feelings be justified and matter. And um, I always say that people are more quick to be judgmental than understanding. And this is a very big thing. And when people don't understand things, it could be overwhelming just in itself of that. And when you have suicidal thoughts and trying to reach out to people that maybe not understand that level, um, it, that in itself is a big trigger, um, and at least it has been in my past. Um, but if you do have suicidal thoughts and behavior, it is common among people with bipolar disorder. If you have thoughts of hurting yourself, obviously seek help. If, if, and I know this is easier said than done. I talked about this before. It is very difficult when you're in that level of mentality um, to reach out to people because sometimes you feel like, people judge you, they won't understand, or you've tried to reach out before, and um, people have made you feel um, very, um, like a piece of crap, let's just put it bluntly, Um, or make you feel like, uh, I don't know, it's really kind of hard to put into words, because so I know sometimes like I've tried to reach out to people before and they have taken my um, confidence, I guess, if you will, with them and turned it around into an episode. Um, I've thrown it at my face, um, talked about it to other people, um, made fun of it, you know, all a variety of things. So finding somebody that you trust that you can go to and be open with is a very difficult thing to do, especially when you're in a different state of mind that is not normally your own um, normal mentality, if you will. So it's not always easy, and I I totally do get that. Um, call 911 or your local emergency number. Go to an emergency room. Can find a trusted relative or friend, uh, maybe a minister. Um, they do have a suicide hotline in the U.S. Um, you can call or text 988 uh, to read the Suicide and Crisis Lifeline. It's available 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Or you can use the Lifeline chat. Services are free and confidential. They are professional, they are experienced, and they are dedicated to help people. Um, if you have a loved one who is in danger of suicide or may have made a suicide attempt, please make sure that you stay with that person. You call 911 or your local emergency numbers immediately, or if you think that you can do it safely, take the person to the nearest hospital, emergency room, 
or you yourself can call 988 and have them direct you on what you can do. Um, don't feel like um, you need to take on um, the world, basically on your own. And when you are a loved one or a friend and you notice things um, or somebody has reached out to you, there's, there's a lot of difficulty in trying to understand on how to respond, um, saying the right things, acting the right way. Um, I would say, obviously, it's really difficult because you yourself understand and know your loved one, um, obviously better than I would because I don't even know who I'm talking to. But um, everybody's different. You know, I had a best friend who committed suicide. And um, I it's a very traumatic thing um it was a very traumatic thing on my end because I was upset with her and angry with her because I felt I knew she was being abused and stuff and I'm not going to belittle the situation by any means um but she was being a, a very very badly abused and um I had a very odd feeling um when I last saw saw when I last saw her I watched her actually as her car her SUV drove away, and so I couldn't see her brake lights anymore. And um, she ended up committing suicide uh, that very next morning, about like 6 or 6.30 in the morning. And I was so angry with her. And, you know, you say, you know, it's a cop-out. You put all your, your pain and everything on somebody else and this and that and the other. And, you know, I've come to realize, though, that in my own journey – and I think a lot of that is just my pain speaking. Um, but I have learned on my journey and where I have been, my suicidal thoughts and things that I have um, endured in my life, that I have come to realize that a lot of people, in my opinion, they don't want to die. They just want the feeling to stop. They just want the pain to stop. And most suicides, um, for my research, have been from people that have accidentally um, followed through with it. And um, some people have done it as ways to try to get not necessarily negative attention, but in hopes that somebody actually listened to them. And, but sadly, um, in attempts to do that, they have followed through uh, even unintentionally. Uh, They follow through with the suicide, whether they meant to or not, because sometimes um, accidents um, do happen, even if you don't attend them to, but yet you are sitting there in attempts to, if that makes sense. Um, and I know this to be a, um, a big factor in some people's lives that I know. Um, the exact cause of bipolar disorder is unknown, but several factors may be involved such as biological differences. People with bipolar disorder appear to have physical changes in their brains. The significance of these changes is uncertain, but may eventually help pinpoint some causes. Genetics. Bipolar disorder is more common in people who have a first-degree relative, such as a sibling or parent, with the condition. Researchers are trying to find genes that may be involved in causing bipolar. So if you have a family member that has bipolar, it might be a genetic um, gene. Um, and it can cause other people to have it. So it can be a genetic factor, hereditary, if you will. Risk factors. Sorry, I mean, this talks a lot. Risk factors. <laughs> um, factors that may increase the risk of developing bipolar disorder or act as a trigger for the first episode include having a first-degree relative, such as a parent or a sibling, with a bipolar disorder, periods of high stress, such as a death of a loved one, or a traumatic event, or drug and alcohol abuse. These can be big factors that can trigger your um, first episode, but it's not limited obviously, because there's many factors, but these are three examples. Complications. If left untreated, bipolar disorder can result in serious problems that affect every area of your life. 
such as problems related to drug and alcohol abuse. Some people find the need to self-medicate. And I say self-medicate doesn't always um, pertain to drug and alcohol abuse. People who self-medicate in other directions. They can overspend. They be um, kleptomaniacs. They can be uh, bulimic. Um, they can eat too much. Um, you know, be like a compulsive eater or, you know, um, where they find com comfort food. Um, they might have, like, a lot of sexual partners just trying to find um, some type of uh, intimacy or some type of level of comfort. Uh, there's a variety of different things. Um, suicide or suicide attempts. Legal or financial problems. Uh, damaged relationships and poor work or school performance. Uh, Co-occurring conditions. If you have bipolar disorder, you may also have another health condition that needs to be treated along with bipolar. Um, some conditions can worsen bipolar symptoms disorders and make treatment less successful. Now, when I was getting diagnosed with my stuff um, oh, a few years ago, I was diagnosed with severe OCD, um, severe manic depressive, and borderline bipolar. Over the years, that has changed. They didn't want to treat my bipolar because they were afraid that it was going to kick my OCD full force. So they didn't treat me for none of it. Well, now years later, my OCD is full force. My bipolar is now not bi bi um, borderline. It is full force. And I have PTSD severely. Um, so there is a combination of different disorders that all of them combined together is a whole different ballgame. Uh, because it depends on what episode is going on, what triggers going on, where your mentality is, um, how you're coping, um, how, your, how your support system is, um, the people around you. It's a very big, big factor. Um, some examples... Um, include anxiety disorder, eating disorders, ADHD, alcohol or drug problems, physical health problems such as heart disease, thyroid problems, headaches, or obesity. These are some um, examples of some conditions that worsen with your bipolar um, symptoms um, or make treatment um, less successful. So prevention. Um, there's no way to prevent bipolar. However, getting treatment at the earliest sign of mental health disorder can help prevent bipolar disorder or men other mental health conditions to get worse. So obviously getting a early intervention treatment um, can obviously help lessen uh, the condition and the consequences behind it. If you've been diagnosed with bipolar, um, some strategies can help prevent minor symptoms from becoming full-blown episodes of mania or depression. So pay attention to warning signs. Know your triggers uh, or learn them. Addressing symptoms early can prevent episodes from getting worse. You may have identified a pattern to your bipolar episodes and what triggers them. Call your doctor if you feel you're falling into an episode of depression or mania. Involve family members or friends in watching for warning signs so know what it is that kicks you in. Some people, it may be um, an ex. Um, it may be um, a, a scenario of, um, it could be a variety of things. There's not really a set example. There's, I'm, I've been learning my trigger points. Um, and it's, it's been very difficult because it really also depends on what mood I'm in on whether or not something triggers me or not. Because sometimes it might trigger me at one time, but not another. So a lot really depends on your mental state of mind, too, on what triggers. So trying to identify those um, is very important on helping you to understand uh, trying to cope with those moments. But also helping you to work through those episodes is very important. But sometimes a family member or a loved one will notice different um, points, I guess, if you will, on what triggers you and what gets you going. And 
when you get into a full full force uh, episode, um, it's very hard sometimes to put your mental stability in check to know how to work through it and to come out of it because sometimes you will might not even recognize that you're doing it. And sometimes people can misconstrued and take things differently than what you're trying to represent because you might not be realizing you're in an episode and they might not rep- recognize you're in an episode or they might not even know that you even go into one. Um, so it's, it's, and if you got two people or multiple people together that are in a variety of episodes, um, you know, because they're all suffering different types of things, that's a whole level of a different um, stage also. Because if you have two, say you have a husband and wife or, you know, two friends or something, and, and they're all suffering this, and they have different triggers and different times that they're at this level and they're at different levels, it's going it, to, sometimes it can cause a clash, but it can also cause a different level of pain that I want to say is not necessary, but is um, very difficult to work through. Because if you're both going through a manic depression state or having a trigger that are different but at the same time or different levels, it's hard to work through those when you're going through your own. So trying to recognize your own as well as your loved ones at the same time, it can also then ricochet and trigger you more in different ways. And it's very overwhelming to work through. So trying to recognize your own triggers and your loved ones' triggers um, can also play havoc on your relationship. So working through things and noticing that you you know, have these certain stages and being in communication with one another and trying to maybe have keywords or um, different, um, uh, I don't know, I guess ways of, of letting it known that you're having a moment if you recognize it or if the other person recognizes it in a, in a certain way. Agree ahead of time, I guess, when you're not in an episode on how you guys can um, handle one if you are in one. And trying to have a game plan with each other that might help um, because I know that sometimes um, you know everybody goes through things and everybody's in trauma and people handle things differently but I know like in relationships a lot of times you, you carry excess baggage over from your previous relationship and a lot of triggers that you go through from your previous um, lives and stuff that you have before can be trigger points and your new significant other might not know what those are and you might not even know what they are but trying to communicate and work through that is very vital in making any relationship work but when you have situations like this it's even more important and I always I have always said you know you can be in you're gonna have problems in relationships with anybody that you're in any relationship with you're in you're gonna have problems every couple is gonna have a problem it's finding the person that you want to go through um, facing those problems with is what makes the difference. Um, you know, because everybody suffers something. But finding that person that you want to go through that with and overcome that with and work things out with is the key, um, you know, to being able to find um, a solid relationship with somebody. Because you're going to have something. You're going to have some kind of problem with anybody. But it's finding that one person you want to go through the problems of your life with and battle and overcome with and work things with. And, you know, that's where the key's at. So, and then it goes on to say, avoid drugs and alcohol. Using alcohol or recreational drugs can worsen your symptoms and make them more likely to come back. Obviously, being under the influence of that or anything can also, you know, obviously put your mindset in a different direction um, and, and be altered. And that obviously does not help. And if you're on medication, um, those can also counteract your medications and can cause them to be um, more severe or uh, intensified or maybe um, overpower uh, over top of your medication. Um, and your medication is not going to work, you know, or it might increase your medication. It could have a, a bad effect. Take your medication exactly as directed. 
You may be tempted to stop your treatment, but don't. Stopping your medication or reducing your dose on your own can cause withdrawal symptoms and effects and may worsen or return. So if you're on medication, don't self-diagnose your medication. Um, and if you have questions about your medicine, obviously talk to your doctor. Um, you know, go to them and um, that's what they're for. They're for. This is their profession. This is what they do for a living. This is what they're trained on. And if you're not comfortable with your medication you're on, discuss that with your doctor for other options. Because I know, like, uh, some certain facilities, they have certain medications that is their go-to. And uh, so they are, like, automatically prescribing certain medications because this is their go-to treatment, if you will. Doesn't mean that that is what's going to work for you. So make sure that you talk to a doctor that you're comfortable with, but also make sure that you are able to understand what medications you're on and what effects and side effects that they have on you. Because some medications that you are on, some of their side effects are worse sometimes than what your symptoms are. And some of those side effects are even suicidal thoughts. So if you're already having suicidal thoughts and you're taking medication and the side effects of suicidal thoughts, make sure that you understand that level and talk to your doctor about that because they might be able to offer you different ways to deal with the double dose, if you will, of having suicidal thoughts or intensified um, side effects that can affect you in a negative or more severe way than what you were before that. So that is very important as well. But adding things into the mix on top of that, you know, because some medications counteract with other medications, um, even some over-the-counter medications, even so much as maybe vitamins and, um, you know, her uh, herbals or whatever, um, they can counteract your, your medication differently. So be very open with your doctor on if you're taking over-the-counter stuff. And be open on any questions that you have that you don't understand. Because if you don't understand what you're inputting into your body, then you're not going to understand the effects that's going on. So if something is having a reaction with you and it is making you feel some type of way, you might think that it's something else when in fact it might be your medication that needs to be adjusted. And I know with my doctor, she has put me on... Um, a depressive medicine and um, she has also put me on Lamictal for my um, my um, PTSD and my bipolar and um, she put me on depressive medicine because um, obviously this time of year it's very difficult to me my anniversary my dad's death was on the 7th and my grandson's anniversary is coming up on his death and plus the holidays and it's just a very very difficult time of the year for me um, so my depression is really in full effect. Um, plus, my mother, obviously, I take care of her. Um, and she is having a really hard time at this time of year as well, obviously, for you know obvious reasons. But um, she started me on my Lamictal um, in a low dose first and increased it um, over a couple weeks period of time. And I have been seeing her. Um, and she's adjusted my medicine, trying to start it gradually up. Um, and um, I actually was having um, some seizures and stuff um, I haven't talked about with uh, anybody. And some of them were, uh, I'd wake up and I, you know, was shaking real bad. Um, and and but I knew what I was I knew what was going on. I was, I was coherent with it because my son used to have seizures all the time, and I was just like you know just relax and go with it. And um, other times I think it was just where I was in full blown um, panic and anxiety attack or something, and my mental state of mind was just um, I couldn't I don't know. I just remember having very bad episodes. I don't remember them all, um, and I was like. Um, self-harming myself, I was beating myself in the head, um, smacking myself, um, I was, um, very bad on some suicidal thoughts, I was looking different things up, um, at one point in time, I even looked up on how to inject, uh, rubbing alcohol, 
Um, but it was just <laughs> different things. I didn't want to die. I just wanted the pain to stop. But it just gets to the point when you get at a mental level um, that you don't understand or that it overwhelms you. You don't know how to cope with it. You don't know how to respond to it. And, um, you know, I was trying to keep my feelings off of my mother because obviously she's going through enough. So I was trying to deal with my own grieving process and traumatic events going on in my life um, away from her. And I was going out to my camper in the back um, and putting my feelings out there. And eventually it got to the point where my camper was nothing but tear-soaked walls. And um, it was getting overwhelming to me. And I, um, people were just, they just couldn't deal with, they were dealing with their own things. I, I had nobody to go to. And um, I just got to the point where I felt like maybe the world would be better off. And nobody would care about me anyway. Nobody would miss me. And just all kinds of different general thoughts in my head. And it got to be very, very dangerous. And, um, fortunately, um, I've been trying to work through that and overcome that. And it has been a very big journey for me, to say the least. And I have been praying very hard for myself um, and trying to put a lot of, uh, a lot of it in God's hands. Uh, but I also have to realize, too, that God gave me my own hands for a reason. And, um... I have been trying to reach out in my podcast, uh, obviously trying to um, share myself with the world candidly in hopes that I can reach someone, if even to save one person, if even myself, then it is worth it. And um, I can honestly say that it does help me um, because I don't, I don't go anywhere, I don't do anything, and I don't talk to anybody really, because I do take care of my mother 24-7, and um, I'm basically uh, by myself, so I get lost in my thoughts a lot, I talk to myself a lot, <laughs> I laugh at my own jokes a lot, <laughs> um, my, I always joke and say my other personalities are having meetings in my head, <laughs> um, and don't invite me, <laughs> um, but I have accepted me, and I've been trying to teach myself that it's okay to look at myself in the mirror and be comfortable with my reflection. And um, I, before, you know, we'd go in there, and I'd look in the mirror, and I'd, I'd yell at myself, I'd cuss myself out, I'd put myself down, I'd call myself names, um, I'd belittle myself, um, downgrade myself. And I would just get lost in all the negativity and pain that I have felt over the years and through everything that I've been going through. And um, I would just cry so much. And I am so damaged in so many directions that I got to the point of nobody's going to want me. I'm damaged. I am very damaged. Uh, I have a lot going on. Um, I am not very, I'm very self, in, I'm very independent. Um, I've been on my own since I was 17. Um, so I'm very resourceful on being able to take care of myself. But um, I have been abandoned, I've been abused, I've been neglected, I've been belittled, I've been made fun of, uh, even all the way down to my education. I've got three degrees, I've busted my butt to get where I was and where I am, and um, I've had people make fun of me uh, for my education, for my intelligence, for who I am, um, for my looks, for my, um, I don't know, things that I say, things I talk about, me in general. Um, and I, I've carried this over my, my lifetime. And it adds up. And it and it got to a point where it was become my identity. And when it's said enough, 
you believe it to be a part of who you are and you find yourself um, believing that that is um, all true and um, I have been trying to teach myself for the negative things that I have felt to try to counteract it with positive and I try to find reasons to uh, reassure myself and put confidence back in myself so it overpowers the negative, if that makes any sense. And it's a job. It's a journey. I'm not saying it's easy, and I'm not saying I'm totally successful on it. Because believe me, I suffer traumatically. <laughs> um, and um, it gets to the point where I have difficulty sleeping. Uh, I can't get my head to shut off. I can't get visions out of my head. Um, I feel like my eyes are constantly dancing with, with things. Um, and um, it's, it is a very big journey. It, it very much is. And um, it has points that um, I get to where I have to do checkpoints with myself. And when I do checkpoints with myself or reality checks, I have to make sure that I'm doing it realistically and what is the best interest of my own mentality. And I have been trying to show myself and remind myself and teach myself that I need to do what I need to do because that's what I need to do. Not because somebody else wants me to or because somebody else needs me to. I need to be there because that's what I need to do and do it how I need to do it so I know it's real. I'm not trying to fabricate who I am or be something I'm not. I'm trying to identify who I am and accept who I am and accept who I'm not. If that makes any sense. It does to me in my head and that's where I'm at now. So I have done a couple of podcasts. Actually, I'm mean, like in 20 some episodes now. I don't even know how many I got anymore. But feel free to um, look them up. There's a lot of um, there's a lot of different topics that I talk topics if I talk topics that I um, talk about in different ways. Um, but I'm very candid, very open, and very honest about myself and who I am. And I don't sugarcoat myself because then that would be lying to myself. And if I do that, then I might as well just not even. Um, get anywhere you know because that's the whole point in my journey of trying to get better through my traumatic events and everything else that I'm dealing with in my life and um, I've got a lot of years um, to work through and it might take the rest of my life to do so and I'm gonna fall into different episodes I know I will I'm realistic about it but it's remembering that when I get into those episodes that I do my best that I can to intervene them and identify them as soon as possible and find different ways to cope. And um, people find different ways, but try to find positive ways and realistic ways that actually benefit you. Because if you don't, then it's not going to help you. And what works for me might not work for you and vice versa. So try to learn your trigger points try to learn your coping mechanisms but also to do research on uh, different areas talk to your, your doctor seek help um, as soon as you can before you're in an episode if possible um, but also to um, remind yourself that your feelings matter that you are an important factor in this world. There are people that do love you. It might be times that you don't feel that way, <clears throat> but when you're not in an episode, uh, you're more realistic to know that they do. And even if you don't love yourself, try to learn to at least start liking yourself and then work into the love part. Because you have to be able to look at yourself in that mirror and accept your reflection. 
but don't let it define you. <clears throat> and if you have to, I mean, this is what I do. I make faces at myself in the mirror. <laughs> and, um, you know, I've talked about myself in the, my other part. I had surgery in my mouth. I had 26 teeth and four wisdom teeth pulled out. And I, so I have dentures, and I'm trying to talk with them right now. And my mouth is really dry, and my bottom ones are kind of loose. So <laughs> if I'm a little distorted in my talking, I'm sorry. But um, sometimes <laughs> I humor myself because I'm strange that way. Um, but I take my teeth out and make faces at myself sometimes. Sometimes I do it with my teeth in, too. But it's even funnier now that I, when I can take them out and don't have teeth, and it's even funnier because I look, um, I look ridiculous. But I find humor in it, and I accept it. I've got beautiful teeth. I'm very proud of them, and I have no problem telling people I have dentures. I have no problem talking about it. I have no problem popping my, my bottom dentures out when I have to eat because I'm still healing. Um, I've been known to take my, my dentures and lay them down to eat. Um, you know, but... Obviously, respectfully, you know, if I'm out somewhere, I'll put them in the napkin or something. I'm not going to just, you know, because I know some people does gross out. But this is who I am. And and I can't help it. I would rather have teeth in my mouth that are healthy than have a bunch of broken teeth where all the bacteria and germs and infection are going into my bloodstream and, and the rest of the parts of my body. Because you can um, get infections and stuff and die from uh, broken teeth and infections in your mouth. Um, it is it is a thing. It really is. And um, I actually had a tooth lodged in one of my nasal cavities. And um, it would hurt even to touch. But it's all taken care of now. And now i got beautiful white teeth. And I'm very proud of them. But I know some people that have dentures um, are self-conscious about it. And um, I can I can respect that. But at the same time, too, it's not a bad thing. It's really not a bad thing. Um, because everybody is different. Everybody has things that go on with them. And there is nothing wrong with you having dentures in your mouth if you have them. There's nothing wrong with being different. But also to know that you're not as different as what you think you are. Sometimes it is a mental, um, a mental reflection of what society has made you feel. But know that um, your smile is beautiful. And although I can't see your face, your smile is beautiful. And don't let anybody make you feel otherwise. I actually have um, my container that I put my teeth in. I put, because uh, I do crafting, so I took my vinyl on top of the container, and I put, you make me smile, on top of my teeth container. So, when I look down at that, it reminds me. Yeah, I used to, my daughter used to tell me I had resting bitch face. <laughs> well, since I have my teeth out and done, my jawline has changed shape. And so now when I take my teeth out, I say I have resting sad face. <laughs> so... When I put my teeth in, I feel like, you know, I'm smiling. I paid a lot of, you know, I, well, I say I did. I have um, hip plus from the government. The government paid a lot for my teeth. And they have made me cry and be upset over the years. The least they can do is give me a smile. <laughs> so, um, anyway. So, um, this is pretty much me. I have uh, another one I'm going to do on PTSD. But I might not do it tonight. Um, it's getting kind of late here on my end. Um, I'm going to go check on my mother and see where how she, I know she went to bed, but I'd still like to check on her. Um, but um, once again, as I always want to say, um, if you are having things, please reach out to somebody. 988 Suicide uh, Prevention Intervention Line. Professional people that can help you and give you resources will not belittle you or judge you. Um, or reach out to somebody that you're comfortable with. Um, also, too, um, your time is very important in your life. And I appreciate everybody that takes their time out of their life to dedicate to listening to me. Um, because I know that it's one point in your life, something that you have that is priceless. And um, if you give it to me to share with me in this podcast, I thank you very much. 
because you have taken time out of your life dedicated to um, sharing it with me, and I appreciate that. So on that, I will close out, and uh, feel free to listen to my other podcasts. If you um, have any comments or anything, please feel free to post those or any suggestions on anything. I have no problem with um, constructive but yet respectful um, uh, criticism or interaction or even um, a compliment is nice. I don't know how to take compliments, but they're always nice. Um, So anyway, um, I hope everybody has a safe and blessed evening. And I um, very much, much appreciate each and every one of you. So have a safe night and thank you very much.